0: To the christmas 2020 edition of ed's sustainable business covered podcast coming up on today's episode forget a christmas carol we get a lesson in sustainability storytelling from getty images we talk about food festivities and community sustainability with levy and we dial australia for a chat with Modi Bodhi about conscious consumerism at christmas and beyond Yes, welcome back to the Sustainable Business covered podcast from Edie for what is going to be the last episode of 2020. I'm Edie's senior reporter, Sarah George, and I'm delighted to have you along for today's episode and to be joined virtually by Edie's content editor, um, Matt Mace, and disappointed that we can't be sharing a mince pie this time, Matt.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not much of a mince pie person anyway, so I probably would have just let you eat eat them all Um, anyway. But yeah, a a bit disappointed that we... uh, we uh, can't be, at least be in the office and uh, share a Christmas cracker joke or two.
0: Yeah, it feels very odd to be on on video call for you. Normally we get together, we have some Christmas music, we have some we have some chocolates, and obviously this is not the Christmas or the year that any of us have um, been expecting. Um, but nonetheless, we're still taking the opportunity to make December a time for conversation, relaxation, and planning for. The future, and we have three exclusive interviews to bring you for this episode. So, shall we just get straight into into it, Matt? Yeah,
1: this is a, I'm, I'm disappointed there's a. At this point, there's not lack of Christmas puns. It could have been the three free wise uh, men and women, I suppose, of of the nativity play. Or I can't I can't remember the song. Three French Hens doesn't quite work, but something like that.
0: <laughs> we'll go with the wise men and and women. I definitely prefer to be called that than a French Hen.
1: Fair enough. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, so our our first wise man for this podcast um, is Levy UK and Ireland's managing director, John Davies. Um, I wasn't aware of Levy until recently. So for the benefit of everyone listening, um, it's a company that's part of the Compress Group, who we're all well aware of, one of the UK's biggest food service and catering providers. Um, usually you'd find these guys serving up countless thousands of meals at some of the UK's biggest events, venues, so wherever there's a football match or a concert, they're they're probably there. Um, The sector has been hugely affected by COVID-19, as as you would expect, but as John explains in our conversation, um, they're still taking the time to keep a big focus on food waste and community sustainability, Um, and there's a lot of thinking going on about how best to collaborate during the festive season and beyond. So for our first clip, let's play that interview with John in full and hope we don't get too hungry while we listen to it. Well, good morning, John. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. How are you?
2: Yeah, very well, thank you. Good morning, yourself.
0: Um, and, and welcome on. Um, um, I really like recording the Christmas podcast because it's a great chance to get on some speakers that we haven't had on before. So for the benefit of everyone listening at home, could you tell us a bit more about Levy UK and I and about the clients and about the sustainability work of the business as well.
2: Of course, no problem. Yeah. So Levy UK um, is is, is an operating company of Compass Group, uh, world's largest contract caterer. Specifically, we look after um, the catering at large stadiums, arenas, um, horse racing uh, venues, live music entertainment areas. So some of our biggest clients would be the likes of Twickenham Stadium, um, Chelsea Football Club, uh, the new stadium that Tottenham Hotspur uh, are now resident at. Uh, We have a big partnership with the likes of Jockey Club, which would be um, some major racecourses up and down the country, the likes of Cheltenham, Aintree, um, Newmarket and and Epsom, to name just a few. In terms of live music, O2 Arena, um, Wembley Arena, Hydro up in Glasgow and Scotland, as well as some big conference centres. So, Excel Centre in East London, um, the International Conference Centre in Edinburgh, um, the the Conference Centre in in Glasgow, as well as QE2 um, Centre in in London, Central London. So, we've got a big breadth of clients. Um, uh, We focus on high-end hospitality, as well as what we call retail catering. If you were to match, we would be Feeding you on the concourses, um, as well as in the hospitality suites and, and boxes, um, if that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm. It does, and we've had Compass on before to talk about what they're doing in terms of um, in terms of sustainability. So, do you guys follow the same the same sort of priorities and strategy, or do you have your
2: own own setup? So, the, the group has a has a framework um, that we we sit very much underneath. Um, Dominic, who's the group CEO, um, set, out, set out a sustainability framework that we all operate within um, probably a couple of years ago now, um, and that's certainly changed the dial in terms of how the group was, was thinking about um, health and well-being, for example, um, environmental game changes, as we call them. But each individual country and, and sector within the country is allowed um, to, to work up their own plans and strategy. As long as it's to the overarching aims of the group so for example one of the overarching aims of the group would be to reduce food waste so taking that as a as a as an aim how do we in the uk and ireland um, go about that then we would have a you know slightly more specific um way that we would do it as, as opposed to maybe some of our other sectors around the world just because of the nature of the venues and the clients that we operate at we are you know, very high volume catering at, at, at events. So, so, if you imagine something like um, Wimbledon, for example, we, we, we cater at Wimbledon. That's the largest catering single catering operation in Europe for the for the two weeks that that, that event takes place. So, we have to have a very different, um, you know, food waste strategy for that kind of high volume event than you would if you were doing staff catering um, Monday to Friday in, a, in an office environment.
0: That's completely understandable and. Um, we've spoken to a lot of businesses and it's very obvious that they've been very affected by COVID-19. We have a lot of contacts in um, hotels, um, aviation and transport. But obviously, with the changes to the way that we all attend events and go to work, I'm assuming that it's been a, a very big change for the for the catering um, sector. So what has this year um, been like, and how have you had to adapt on some of those things that you mentioned, like like food waste, with within that?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's no <clears throat> it's no exaggeration or hyperbole to say this has been, you know, the, the biggest shock the industry's ever had. Um, certainly in, in my lifetime, I've been in the industry uh, about 20 years, um, and and the 2008 financial crash, you know, looks looks you know minuscule in comparison to to the shock that we've had. Um, Catering in general has been affected. Anyone on the high street, as you say, hospitality, hotels. Um, but in my, in my sphere, which live, live entertainment, live sport. The last major event that we that we had was Cheltenham Festival back in March of mm-hmm. this year, which feels like a lifetime ago. Um, we've we've had some very small test events and pilot events, and indeed this weekend coming uh, coming up, we will have um you know fans back in stadiums for the first time in small numbers. So if you're in tier two um of which some of our clients can have up to two thousand fans back in stadium. Which is great news but that clearly isn't anywhere close to what we would normally have. And it has and you know it has been an extremely hard year to to both both try and support the thousands of employees that we have, um, you know, to try and you know pivot and use them in, in useful ways and to give them meaningful job opportunities in you know, other sectors that we operate at or, or, or looking at different areas that we could support our healthcare colleagues for example but also making sure that we retain as much experience and knowledge within the business so that when we do come back to life um, that we that we have the right level of, of knowledge um, that makes that, that, that as, as smooth as possible but we are effectively talking about remobilizing. Um, from scratch um, having having mothballed it for effectively nine months so it's a huge challenge going into 2021 but a a positive challenge and one and one that we're embracing Mm,
0: and you talked about that waking up and I know that off the call we were saying how um, the early signs of this are coming through obviously we're recording this on the day that lockdown um, technically lifts in the UK Um, we've had great news about 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 the vaccine in in recent weeks so of course we're still thinking about what a recovery means and specifically what a green recovery um means so what what does that look like not only for your business but for the for the wider sector um as well i think we've heard a lot of theories on what a green recovery would look like for sectors like retail and aviation but but not so much here
2: yeah, and look, I'm very passionate that we that we recover in the right way and that we don't throw away all the great strides that I think we've made as an industry in the last couple of years by looking at uh, the way we design our menus and handle food waste, look at packaging and recycling. Um, we, we've made a huge amount of inroads um, and unfortunately in, in, the, in the post-COVID world, if you like, there the has been an immediate reaction to use a lot more single-use plastics, disposables, everything you know being shrink wrapped again and i think we need to get back very quickly to um some of the some of the ideas that we were putting in, in place you know we had a, we we've been rolling out across most of our stadiums reusable uh pint glasses for example hard plastic um that, that fans were fans were quite happy to either put a deposit down or in some instances um it was just served as part of the offer and then they were they were they were washed and reused for the next game perfectly safe perfectly hygienic and we need to get back into that mentality of reduce and reuse in terms of um you know the 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 disposables that we're using to deliver um our food offer in terms of the the catering uh, and the food on the plate uh, if you like um we've we very much trying to influence people's behaviors and habits by looking at a more balanced plate approach And, and by that i mean Um, you know, following the Eat Lancet report from a couple of years ago that to to sustainably feed our growing population uh, and to to use the landmass that's available to us in a sustainable way, then we we massively need to balance um, our diets um, with with a huge amount more of of fresh fruits and vegetables, ideally bought seasonally um, and, and locally as possible. So, you know, British seasonal supply. I think becomes an absolute imperative for, for hospitality in the UK, especially also in a, in a post-Brexit world. Um, and we've seen supply chains in this crisis if you are dependent on imports from the continent or, or further afield, um, you know you, you are at risk of, of, of having short, short, short supply or having no supply. So British seasonal produce is an absolute priority, as well as balancing the, the amount of red meat protein that is in, within our menus and our diets. Uh, it's not to ban red meat, but certainly to, to adjust the portion sizes um, and the priority uh, to make it a more plant forward approach, to look at whole grains and um, to look at energy sources that can be a lot more compact, that can, can bring, a, bring a higher punch. So your nuts and your seeds and your whole grains, plant-based oils, all of these things need to be much more important in our diet. And we are actively in Levy, um, looking at our menus, um, whether it's conference and events menus, we have a package called mindful menus, where we are promoting Plant Forward as, as a healthy option, but it's not healthy as a, I suppose as a lead um, uh, descriptor on the menu, it's healthy because it's tasty and delicious, and it looks great and the textures are great, uh, and, and it's almost a byproduct. And that's the way I believe we have to uh, position food in the future that it has to be tasty and, and, and delicious as, as a priority from, from from Route One and as a if it's sustainable and healthy for the for, for the individual and for the planet, um that, that should be a given.
0: Great. And I think a big thing a big thing for food businesses this year that we've been thinking about and, and seeing as well. I mean you've mentioned you've mentioned food waste um, and you've mentioned plant-based But something that's never far from the headlines aside from supply chain disruption um, is about that social sustainability piece and what happens to food um, once it's produced. So pretty much as soon as we went into lockdown, we had so many headlines about what was going to happen to food banks. And in the months that followed, we've all been following Marcus Rashford's school meals campaigning um, pretty closely. Um, So what what can the sector do? do and where does this piece fit into into the green recovery?
2: Well I mean I think I think education in terms of how people cook and, and the understanding of the food system um, is, is at the heart of most of these conversations and mm-hmm. and in the industry, I think we can pay a big part of, of maybe blowing some some of these myths uh, open and, and being really open and honest about where our food comes from, the impact it has, both on the planet and ourselves and how we can encourage people to change their habits but also actively work with supply chain partners um, who are either b corps or have um, you know a a social purpose as part of their agenda have an ambition to be net net zero themselves all of this are i think i think every corporation is is having these conversations around their supply chain at the moment Um, i think it's fairly early days as to having you know, complete clarity over our own supply chain, um, but we, we certainly, in terms of you know where, where we could get to a position where everyone is um, you know pulling together in terms of an ambition to be net zero, for example, or an ambition to have a social purpose. But there are some shining examples of companies that we work with. Um, for example, you know, Compass has been a you know a big supporter of, of Toast Beer for, for many years, um, and and very much. Uh, that's an example of a company that, you know, using waste waste bread from the industry, having a circular system to to brew it and turn it into a new product that we can sell within our events and 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 our, our venues. Those are those I think are, are the examples that we can take forward um, and and show that if you if you have um, ambition, then you can you can bring all this together.
0: Yes, and thanks once again to John for his time. Um, As we've mentioned we have a jam-packed episode to bring you today so I'm going to segue or if the weather allows ski or snowboard seamlessly onto the next topic which is sustainability storytelling. Um, This is a topic we've seen crop up time and time again this year everyone has had to change their comms amid COVID-19 but it's also a topic for life not, not just for Christmas and for me and you Matt it's something that we as journalists um, and that a lot of our contexts in the profession do all the time out of habit or of or of instinct so before we get um, before we get our speakers thoughts on this i thought i'd spring this on you you matt so if i just mention climate change what visual image comes comes to mind
1: i think it's 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 uh it's still the ice caps isn't it it's still going to melt in uh ice um i think uh, as the years have gone on the the ice has gotten smaller and the water surrounding it in terms of the visual has gotten uh more vast uh but certainly there i mean i suppose it depends on where you're based i imagine climate change for people in um australia or south america might might picture wildfires or, or something extremely different but for me it's still the uh still the ice caps yeah yeah
0: that is the big one that um that gets gets brought up and something else that we talked about are there any topics that you just struggle to either think of an image for or 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 find them or conversely if we're writing about a certain topic is there one where you just always pick the same picture just because there's not enough (laughs) different pictures
1: I I remember when I remember when science based targets became became a really I mean it's really big now, but when it first started gaining traction the the, the s b t i was set up and you'd get your first flurry of corporate sense science based targets and as a journalist uh to to depict that is quite especially through stock images is quite a challenge there's only so many times you can have the older archery um target and with a, with an arrow flying towards it uh, before it it just looks a bit a bit um cliche so that's 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 still uh one I would think as well and, and I think now probably if, if if we get a story about or a report on, on business purpose it's quite a hard one to put into images you know you, you don't want your your men in suits around a boardroom image because it's not really reflective of it you don't want an empty boardroom because it just looks like nothing's going on and plus business purpose is so kind of poorly defined in general it's quite hard to associate an image with it so I think that, that would be my uh, my two
0: yeah, definitely good choices. I'd say for, for mine as well, net zero is, is difficult. Obviously, if you've got a business that's set a net zero target, you can illustrate the business. Um, or if it's a country, you could illustrate like a wind farm or a fossil fuel plant in, in that country. But just as a concept, there's only so many times you can see the word zero or the number zero on a, on a chalkboard.
2: <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's one of the, like, that and, you know, science-based targets as well. They're probably easier to, I'm thinking of Christmas there, they're probably easier to depict in, like, a game of charades than it is actually finding an image for. Um, that's that's bizarre.
3: <laughs>
0: no, have to agree with you there. But, um, yeah, these are some of the things we're going to be touching on in our next interview for this special episode, which, as we mentioned, is with Getty Images and with the Global Head of Creative Insights, Dr. Rebecca Swift. Um, Getty recently published the results of a major piece of research on how media outlets and businesses use imagery to talk about environmental issues. So that's not just climate change. We're looking at biodiversity, um, plastics, pollution and many other issues here. And whether these approaches are still winning hearts and minds or whether they're becoming a bit cliche and only appealing certain groups. While we usually interview sustainability professionals, this is a really good alternative perspective and hopefully some great info here to help you shape your storytelling in 2021. There definitely was for me when I was talking to Rebecca, so let's hear that clip from her in full. Well, hello, Rebecca. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. How are you?
3: I'm good. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.
0: No problem. And where in the world am I dialing you today?
3: I am in a little village called Sadnutfield in Surrey. I'm secretly
0: loving this bit that we get to have people from all over the place on a, on our podcasts.
3: <laughs> Find out where people actually live rather than where they work.
0: Of course. Um, and I know it's your first time on, on the podcast, right?
3: Yes, it is. Yeah.
0: Great. So um, for the benefit of people listening, would you mind giving us a bit more information about what your role and remit is at at Getty and and how that relates to to sustainability
3: yeah of course um so for anyone who hasn't heard of Getty Images we're a a very large global um visual content and I say visual content because we do photo video illustration um uh agency and and we you know we work across editorial so news uh, entertainment uh celebrity sports um, and we work within advertising. So we work with brands and big corporations and ad agencies. And my role is uh, in the creative department. so I, I sit in the in the kind of center of, of things in terms of um, you know what our customers, our big brands or big sporting organizations or news organizations are asking for and uh bringing that information into the creative team and then creating creative briefs and and uh image briefs and um film briefs for our contributors so we work with about i think the last count was 320,000 contributors around the world and um you know we don't want them all shooting the same thing at the same time so it's you know balancing out what what they should what they should be shooting and um, my team is a uh, is, is a visual insights team and we're really interested in how images are being used um what they're saying at any particular time and what they're and, and how they're being used to you know, more importantly, sell stuff. So in the corporate world, what what images are being used in a commercial way? So when it comes to sustainability, um, it's really interesting because, um, you know, the environment is visualized in a certain way in the news media. And then it's it's visualized in a different way in commercial um, marketing communications. And um, the way that it's seen in the news media very much influences the way that consumers, and I, I say consumers, that's you know, normal people, how they react to images that, that relate to the environment and sustainability. So that's that's what a lot of our um, kind of advertising customers are dealing with now is, is how to make an impact uh, when they're talking about being sustainable or, or caring about the environment. And, um, and and also uh, proving that they are um, environmental or care about the environment. Um, and, and while also bearing in mind what um, what, what we see when we um, watch a David Attenborough programme. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's becoming much more political about the way he talks about the environment now. And that has an impact on on visual memory. It has an impact on how uh, the viewer uh expects to see um visuals about about um about climate change and and uh, and environmental um issues mm-hmm.
0: well i'd love to dive into that a little bit bit more and we set this call up on the back of the fact that the insights team at Getty has recently published this new data report. Um, that looks at how brands are communicating sustainability, especially through images and what consumers views are on environmental issues and brand approaches to them. Um, So could you tell us a bit more about about that report? So how did you put it together and what were some of the the biggest takeaways for you?
3: There is a lot of data around around uh the need to do more to um you know for brands to do more there is a lot of data around consumers wanting sustainable products wanting um to work with you know sorry to to purchase from sustainable businesses what we wanted to to really dig into was what is it in in an image that convinces a consumer that the, the brand uh, has those credentials and is mm-hmm. doing what they say they they are doing now you could turn that on its side and say well actually you could use the images and not be doing the work but we're assuming that corporate companies are coming at this with good intentions and are looking for ways to signal to uh to, to their consumers and and to the to the world at large that they're, that they're doing this work and you know there are a lot of there, there are a lot of cliches and and we wanted to check whether those cliches work um, and how you how we might kind of move on from that. So what we discovered with this with this research and 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 we simply uh, ran uh, surveys with. Um, 10,000 consumers across the world, and asked them which which of a pool of images um, would be a, enough for them to look at a you know to look at it and think that the brand that was using that image was um uh envir- you know, cared about the environment and was doing something to combat climate change. Uh, and then, we, you know, we asked another, you know, questions around uh, the effects on the environment that we as humans have. And, uh, you know, what does sustainable lifestyle look like or with a kind of visual lens? And what we found, interestingly, is that in a lot of cases, um, the the icons of the environment, which anyone who communicates about the environment, regularly you know uh, climate change groups uh, we work very closely with um uh, climate visuals who are who are looking at kind of changing the language around sustainability and and climate change and you know they found you know we, we do we do um we do tend to react to uh content that we have seen before so when you ask somebody um you know what uh what reminds them of environment it tends to be uh a, a turtle swimming in the ocean caught up in a bit of plastic right or um uh you know lots of plastic on the beach um uh, piles of you know trash and because that's the that is the visual language that we're fed through the news media we and we've seen a lot of it in the news media and brands have Uh, have adapted this non-plastic approach or you know the the plastic is bad and it's interesting how things like cotton buds and straws really small innocuous things have become the the devil and Mm -hmm. have become the you know the the um the you know know, the, the the ills of the world mainly because they've been they've been well documented in terms of how you see the you know how you see the them in terms of their impact on on the environment fishes with them in their stomachs seagulls you know and etc cetera, etc cetera. so when you then ask um who, who's who's not looking at images in a professional way they naturally are drawn to those kind of images another, another example would be a polar bear you know a polar bear on a melting ice cap that that icon right? the classic <laughs> and that you know you could trace that back to 2006 when um al gore Um, did his Inconvenient Truth documentary film and it was you know very high profile high impact and very much perpetuated the image of the bear and then Time magazine put the polar bear on their front cover and, and and it kind of went on from there and it really built momentum so again if you show if you show someone a picture of a polar bear they immediately associate the polar bear with environmental concerns and you have to kind of trace back some of this some of these icons to kind of work out how and why they work so what we looked at instead was um where else can we go with this you know we can keep perpetuating these same cliches these same ideas over and over again and they do serve a purpose you know if you go Mm -hmm. to somebody's if you go to a brand's website and you see an image of a um uh, a wind turbine then you know that that's probably their their commitment to sustainability section <laughs> mm-hmm. it's a you know it's, it's iconic it's a it's an it, it's an icon of of sustainable practice uh likewise you know the recycling symbol and and uh so on and so forth um and so we're kind of looking at How do you bring sustainable practice into everything you shoot, you know, rather than coming at this and saying, OK, we're going to just think about sustainable imagery in in isolation. Let's see Mm -hmm. how we can weave this through everything. And you know there's uh, you know as I said there's a lot of research that's already been done and and certainly we found the same with the with the research that we've done that the younger generations notice visual cues around um ar- around the environment and so uh, the example the example i give and, and and anyone who uh who shoots corporate imagery on a regular basis will understand this you tend to you know you tend to shoot a a um a corporate team during a meeting to show that they work together i don't know you know that looks very different now but let's assume that (laughs) let's assume that um life will go back to normal and and we'll be sitting in meeting rooms again um and normally you know people bring their um coffee cups with them um and you know uh, they will bring a cup from a well-known coffee company uh, a disposable coffee cup um and uh, and that has kind of become typical of the type of visual that you see and don't even question it. But actually, that is now being questioned. So why, you know, why are you not using a reusable cup? Why are you using, um, you know, a disposable? So, you know, when we're planning shoots and we're putting, putting shoots together, we're having to ensure that the business has their own mugs and that they're, you know the reusable mugs um and likewise with plastic bottles you know um you know shooting somebody who is uh, exercising ensuring they have a reusable bottle rather than uh a, a, you know a, a bottle that, that has just been bought and and anyone who's planned photo shoots you know there's always bottles of water available because people get thirsty <laughs> and so you know you have to really think that through and make sure that there are um refillable bottles available even things like you know uh, shooting a christmas dinner or or um or, or or a sunday dinner or a barbecue in the summer you know more and more as more and more people are thinking about uh, vegetarianism or veganism which you know very much kind of ties into um living a more sustainable lifestyle bringing that into doing those kind of shoots instead of the classic image of the the, the steaming turkey in the middle of the table mm-hmm. but I think for, for me the the most important and, and the most interesting insight that we got out of it was actually the gener- how the generations look at sustainability and how they look how they and when I say look I mean literally how what they look at in, in terms of sustainability there is an assumption and I'm and I'm saying that in terms of Uh, my own assumptions actually going into this was is that the concern for sustainability is is a younger generational thing uh you know there has been so much coverage on uh Greta Thunberg and uh you know the what the kids have been doing and and in terms of that activism around climate change that there you know there is this this natural assumption that that, that generation the gen z's and and the millen- millennials are far more committed to sustainability than the older generations but what we've what we found actually doing this research is that they just they just they just connect with a different type of imagery. So the you know the Gen Zs connect with uh, imagery that really uh, connects to human emotions, um, uh, has 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 more of an active this kind of feel, um, mainly because you know that's how they see themselves as influencers and you know catalysts for change for the future. Um, but don't necessarily have the spending power yet to um, to, to make you know big purchases um, and to and to be and to be consuming in that way. But very much see that as part of their identity. Whereas you kind of get up to then millennials, where um, millennials are more interested in sus- how businesses are sustainable. So you kind of imagine that age group is 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 the age group that's now starting to um develop um their uh you know tastes and and uh, consumption patterns and Mm -hmm. and are um and are wanting to buy from businesses that adopt you know sustainable practices uh you know good pedigree in terms of the way that they work and then you get up to gen x which is where i am um and that's about you know kind of the the invest the investment into the future and and more around um you know leadership and influencing the future and having a legacy i suppose it must be something to do with getting old actually <laughs> you feel like you need to have a legacy um especially if you have children and of you know course. what does that mean for them and you know showing so so it's so the kinds of imagery that work for them is you know either people working in uh you know for example renewable energy businesses or you know lifestyle imagery around teaching a child how to grow their own vegetables or um uh eco proofing their own home um so you again you can see it, it just makes sense really but um it wasn't until we did this research that it became really really clear and then obviously then the baby boomers who are the oldest generation who are you know very active consumers um very much um, tend to favour imagery that's around environmental issues uh, and you know in terms of how the, how there is a direct impact on people animals and nature so you know the, the kind of tip more typical uh, type of imagery so um, it's interesting how there's a different type of visual to talk about um, to talk about sustainability um to different ages um yeah and i think that's kind of you know that's where we we felt that we uh, had had kind of cracked something that we hadn't seen before because this you know for me in 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 this in this industry this is the second time around that sustainability has been a big corporate concern you know i, I mentioned uh, al gore in 2006 to 2008 was a was a was a really you know it was a peak time for uh you know green the the greening of of corporate uh visuals um and then the financial crisis happened and uh it pretty much disappeared and you know i i used the polar bear actually as as my um as my barometer for how important sustainability is to our customers, because the polar bear was a, you know, a a big seller for us for a couple of years and then disappeared for 10 years and only really came back in 2018, 2019 in terms of being used, you know, used enough for it to kind of, you know, float up to the surface in, in our trending, in our trending content. Um, and, you know, I have many theories as to why there was that, um, you know, a lot to do with obviously the recession and um, the double the double recession that we went through. Uh, and then as the economy started to pick up, we saw, um, you know, consumers wanting more from their, um, uh, from, from the brands that they work with. And, you know, obviously we've been tracking how this, all of this work has been influenced by COVID and I was... You know, I was on hooks a bit because I imagined that COVID was going to kill a lot of this work again. Um, and, and I think it created a new appreciation, which then obviously brands have looked at and thought, oh, actually, this is still a key theme this, and it's really important to consumers and continues to be. Um, and so we, you know, month on month, it just continues to grow, which is, you know, really, really good to hear you know it's it's still it still seems to be top of mind for brands and um you know certainly in terms of you know as we keep surveying consumers and keep asking the question relating it to covid relating it to thinking about the future then uh sustainability is 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 one of those themes that i think everybody's talking about it's a you know key force for us we see it as as this, you know, a major influence over, over the way that content is created and also the way that content looks.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think it, what's interesting there is you talked about how a lot of these cliches that a lot of brands and media are still using will really only appeal to a really small, um, small group of people. And we've heard a bit from yourself about how companies like Getty can change what images people see. Um, We've had some commitments on this from some media. When I was preparing for this call, I couldn't help but think about The Guardian, Mm -hmm. um, which committed essentially to using more pictures of people and less pictures of animals when reporting on climate change and also changing some of the language um, it uses on on climate change so based on your findings and these sort of moves that we're already um seeing what do you think that best practice will will look like in in 2021
3: yeah i mean it's, it's a it's a tricky one because um i mean i think I, I i love what the guardians done i think it's a really great step forward and it actually takes a lot of companies or brands or media or to make those steps for it to then become momentum if you see what I mean right so mm-hmm. um you know the guardian is it, it, the guardian has a has a great reputation for caring about this this kind of stuff and so that's great and we need to we need to then use that to to, to continue to um encourage other media outlets to to do similar and obviously we service people like the guardian and we and we service media outlets and so we're encouraging you know the thoughtfulness in in the content that they're using pushing them towards um and you know more nuance in talking about sustainability not going back to the blooming polar bear all, every time <laughs> um the other one that kills me is the uh, is the hands holding the uh, little tiny sapling in a little pile of earth right. which uh, which you see a lot and um we're continuously trying to think of new ways of, of redoing that and, and again pushing people in that direction so yeah i mean i think us as a business have typically created content put it on the news wire, and, and allowed the market to um make the decision um but we are kind of switching that now and starting to be more directive uh we've created some guidelines um for uh, communicating around uh, climate change and, and sustainability for our customers and for our contributors and kind of, you know, if you can bring the two together and have them all working in the same way, then that is, that's a good place to be. And so that's, that's what we're working on now is using, using our data, using our experience of working across, you know, Uh, you know, across media and across corporate brands, and, uh, and helping to move the visual language forward.
0: So thanks once again to Rebecca for her time, and I hope we covered a lot of ground and provided a lot of tips on multimedia communications for your new year and beyond. So we've had a festive feast and a Christmas story, but what would December be without a call to your friends and family who are halfway around the world? Our last interview for this episode is with Modi Bodhi's chief executive, Christy Chong. You're not aware of Modi Bodhi, it's an Australian brand that was small, but has been scaling up pretty quickly. Um, And it has sustainability built in, in that it sells reusable hygiene products and that it works with charity and private sector partners in the broader fight against issues like plastic waste, gender inequality, and period poverty. So if you're looking for thoughts about last minute conscious consumerism for this Christmas, or about how to embed purpose and align with the SDGs in the new year, you're in the right place. Let's play that chat with Christy in full. Well, good morning, Christy, or good, good evening for you, I should say. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. That's wonderful. Thank you for having me. Um, Any time, and I understand that you're based in Australia and you're calling in from essentially the future. <laughs>
4: yes, we are. <laughs>
0: Well, thank you so much for making the time stack up and because it's your first time on our podcast, I think it'd be great to let everyone know a little bit um, about what the company does, um, specifically why you set it up and how it's grown in the UK over the past couple of years. I understand it launched here in 2018.
4: That, that's correct. It did. So um, Modibody is a, a line of uh, reusable health apparel that can be worn as a total replacement to manage your periods or incontinence um, flow and even, you know, for discharge and sweat. So um, the yeah. idea for Modibody actually came about after the birth of my second child and my periods are not long return, and I, I actually had a leaky bladder as well uh, and I was in training for a marathon. I actually came to that realization in one of my training runs that, you know, disposable hygiene was not a sustainable, um, even likable solution really to manage our leaks. Um, but there was nothing else available to us, so I actually thought it was time to make something better. And I actually set about talking about to family and friends about this idea of a, you know, a fashionable, comfortable, reusable pair of underpants that could, um, you know, manage all your your leaks. And I got really positive feedback and. You know, 18 months later, I developed a patented technology and um, launched my product into the market. So, you know, I wholeheartedly believe that you know I'm giving people a better solution for the planet.
0: And as well as the product part, I understand that the the brand does does a lot of a lot of social social work as well.
4: Yeah, I mean, I mean, what we do is we're building a financially profitable business that has huge social impact at the core and whether that's, you know, reducing uh, the amount of waste going into landfill by, um, you know, ridding the world of disposable hygiene, but we also have committed to empowering disadvantaged um, women who do not have access to affordable, and sustainable feminine um, or health apparel, we like to call it, instead of feminine hygiene. So that's a big mission of ours, and we've partnered with many um, charities globally and uh, in the UK. We partner with Bloody Good Period, and we donate products to them monthly, so they can deliver that product into the hands of those um, those people who menstruate and um, they couldn't afford another solution. So yeah, I'm really proud of the the work that we do at Body as we grow, our impact grows and Uh, yeah, we've got a commitment to um, help the lives of 20,000 people uh, in need next year. So that's our big commitment. Mm
0: -hmm. And it it was that that I wanted to come on to, um, really, because we're seeing a lot of brands and businesses looking to have more partnerships and more collaboration on these issues, particularly through COVID. I think it's highlighted a lot of the ways in which people can 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 give back. Um, I know that in the UK, you mentioned you work with organisations like City C, um, Bloody Good Period, as well as the private sector and the education sector um, as as well. So, what have been your learnings from these these partnerships? I'm sure we'll have people listening that want to collaborate and be more of a force for good on an on a particular issue next year.
4: Yeah, I mean, I mean, my my major tip to a brand out there is just go and start. You know, we all should be every business out there. Um, should be thinking about their ESG and and how they can have social impact. There's just, there's no excuse anymore. Um, you know, whether that's from sustainability, you know, in your supply chain, what can you do to improve your supply chain? Um, or whether that's finding partners that are delivering um, impact to to people like we are through bloody good period. I, I My tips are really just start, go and do it. And um, I think, Find something that aligns truly with your brand's purpose. I think that's very important as well. Otherwise, it won't come from an authentic place. And, um, and I think you need to get buy-in. It shouldn't just be, you know, a one-person role in your business. The whole business needs to buy into this. And in our business, in, in particular, it's part of our business priorities. So, um, everybody, you know, when they're, we're evaluated on our performance, they're evaluated on their impact and what they've done to contribute to that in the business.
0: So when you say business priority, just to clarify, so that gets that gets brought up regularly and, and, and checked on at a high level.
4: Absolutely. So we have six business priorities this year, and that's one of them. So yeah, always brought up, always discussed, always reported on. Um, you know, and our board is really understanding of that. And uh, you know, I'm a big believer that you, it's not about just making money for your shareholders. We're actually business should be there to benefit the planet and benefit people. And do do you think that
0: bigger businesses could adopt that that approach as well? I mean, I've got so many announcements in the past couple of months specifically about, oh, we're a B Corp now um, (laughs) from larger businesses. But do you think that that's something that could be applied in, for example, something that's corporation sized?
4: Yes, because I I agree. Like I've worked in big business as well. And often it's, you know, seen as CSR, Corporate Social Responsibility, and you've got one headcount dedicated to that. It 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 really needs to be lived and breathed um, so across the whole business and in particular senior managers you know need need to embrace that and they need to understand what it means Um, you know I think having a tag like B Corp is is fantastic B Corp does mean that those businesses are heading in the right direction to fix their supply chain you know their people and their diversity um, and you know things around um, pay gaps and and equality so. Look, I, I think they are tags, but there is meaning behind those tags, so it's a good thing.
0: With, with B Corp specifically, you can't really fib about it because it's a very yeah. thorough assessment and you have to resubmit for every every couple of years. It's not just a, a term that you can use, right?
4: No, I, no, it isn't. Um, but what we need to do, and I'm hoping that businesses like ours, you know, even, you know, we think about our manufacturers and our supply chain, we need to champion some of these movements to get the you know the manufacturers to change um you know we need to champion that with these bigger businesses so you know sometimes it will come from brands like ours but you know we're the disruptors and hopefully we bring some of those big businesses on the journey as well
0: and as well as being a, a smaller brand than a corporation obviously Body has it's it's a, fem, it's a femtech. Um, brand and something we should probably talk about a little bit more um, in the work that that I do. So why is it important to have to have that kind of kind of voice on on board?
4: Well, I mean, you know, the tech industry in general um, and many businesses are notoriously, I suppose, dominated by men. And I think the figures show that ninety eight percent of venture capital funding goes actually towards more male founded products.
3: Right. Um, that's
4: just the fact that uh, we know women-led businesses actually have um, more success in terms of being more profitable. So it's a very interesting um, uh, statistics around that. So, yeah, I mean, I just, yeah, we absolutely have to get more brands and female-led voices into the market. I mean, yeah, I'm in the femtech space. I'm a big supporter of developing solutions for, you know, women's health uh, issues in particular because they've been very silenced. And as you know, Body is a brand is also um, a very big champion of breaking down those taboos. And removing those um, those taboos around topics like menstruation and so we can develop better solutions. Because people often ask me, well, why do you want to open the conversation? It's icky. It's a bit it's a bit gross. I'm like, yeah, but yeah, it is true. But if we don't, we don't develop better solutions, and we silence people, which means they also don't go and seek the better solutions because they're you know they're too afraid to talk about them. Um, so, yeah, I'm a big believer, you know, tech and feminism, it's a major force of social change in society and, um, you know, I, I just encourage women out there with ideas to, to get on board and, um, you know, have a go. Yeah,
0: it's funny the words you choose, things like icky and oh, we don't want to talk about it, but it's so embedded and I do a lot of work on the SDGs and it's so embedded in so many um, of, of those goals. So surely to avoid it means we're just not going to meet them.
4: Yeah, I think when we just get over it and realise it's pretty, it's, it's part of life, then the, the, the easier it is to um, to talk about and, as I said, develop solutions to deal with it.
0: And Christy, we've talked about all different kinds of businesses, from working internally to working with supply chains to working with charity partners, um, but obviously with Christmas coming up um the focus will be on on consuming and consumers as um as as well and obviously we know that since the brand launched in the UK a couple of years ago um we've got more and more stockists i've i've seen more and more of it on my instagram instagram um <laughs> feed but especially against a backdrop of 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 this year are you seeing more individuals and retail stockists asking for 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 more eco Products have we seen that trend towards what people have called conscious consumerism con- continuing in 2020?
4: Oh yes, absolutely. And you know I say thank thankfully, like you know about time. I mean I launched this business now, you know nearly eight years ago, and one I always knew that you know the retail space wouldn't be the right environment because. Of course, the, the product, we were, you know, creating a whole new category and, and that was hard for some people to even talk about um, back then. And yet sustainability just wasn't even on the agenda of most of these buyers. And so, you know, over that period, we've created a whole new category. Um, you know, us alone as a brand have over 600,000 customers now. Um, and, you know, we've we've saved 2.5 million garbage bags of disposable hygiene waste, Um, every customer who comes on board, you know, reduces disposable feminine hygiene products by 11,000 products in their lifetime. So there's some awesome stats that, you know, we're, um, uh, you know, we're producing and the impact that we're having. So I've seen massive change. So I, I suppose I'm trying to say that now retailers are coming to us and I think that's, that's when you absolutely know that you've you've it's a different environment that we're operating in, and the consumer is asking us a lot more questions as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they're more savvy about where's the product made, you know what's it made from, is it safe? Um, you know are using uh, you know fair fair work and ethical supply chain, modern slavery act, all those sorts of questions are being asked, and I think that's really, really positive. And you know what you'll see from the Body brand over the next six months is us, making really strong, solid commitments against, you know, the UN Sustainable Development Goals, mm-hmm. um, which we've already been doing, but now we'll start communicating, you know, what that's going to look like across our whole supply chain. Um, but I feel very positive and I think consumers are much more aware about their choices um, and, you know, I think that's why Modibodi uh, is so successful today.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely seeing the same, like, just on Instagram as soon as the brand puts, oh, this this, this product has recycled Content, there'll be questions about, okay, cool. Um, What about the rest of your business model? How many of them are you selling? Um, Who made them?
4: Correct. It's not about fast consumerism and you can't just – I mean, I I do believe – you can't just say to the consumer now, "Well, it's recycled." They want to know, you know, what is it made from? Is it pre-consumer, post-consumer, and you know, um, if it's if it's, uh, you know, how, where was it made, and you know, what's your what's your freight um, and distribution strategy um, to reduce carbon emissions? So they're much much more conscious and aware, and especially the body body customer because I think. Um, in general, they are more sustainable. But what we're seeing is this is this is rolling out beyond, you know, the eco warrior to just being the everyday normal um, way of of managing your menstruation. Uh, because people want better. They want better, you know, in terms of the confidence that our product brings. But they want better because, you know, we've created a product today that is sustainable. But our, we are 100% committed to um, being even more sustainable and, and creating some, a product that's even better in the future. Um, yeah, it's not just about putting a tag on something or jumping on a trend. I think that's um, pretty important. Mm-hmm. So, so it's an ongoing piece, piece of
0: work. It's not a static.
4: It's not static. And we will, you know, I think compared to some of the competition in the market, we are making, as I said, we're going to make some solid announcements around this and we are, we are genuinely committed um, to being a part of this uh, greater story and greater solution in the future. So I can't share with you right now what it is, but um, you will see that over the next six months. Great.
0: Well, I'll keep an eye out. And we've touched on some of these announcements that are going to come in the next year or even six months, but we're asking everyone that we interview just because it is that, that, that time of year um what their personal professional resolution is going to be for for the new year of of 2021 so have you had a chance to think about that christy
4: oh, my own personal resolution or for, for the more for moddy body um <laughs> <laughs> i mean you know my personal resolution is always you know to try and balance the work with the the family but um <laughs> uh that's what i'm trying to do every year but and and always be you know kinder i think we can all try and be kinder i think covid's been a really um, hard year for a lot of us and so I think that's a big piece that's come out of us how do we be kinder to ourselves and kinder to the planet so something I'm always trying to practice but from a body perspective um, you know our our focus for next year is we just want to keep breaking down these taboos and normalizing conversations around body leakage periods continents and continents and sweat um, uh, this as I said sustainability our total social impact we're making big commitments against those UN Sustainable Development Goals Mm -hmm. as well as, um, you know, that commitment to uh, actually uh, provide a sustainable solution to at least 20,000 women next year. And that's not giving one pair. We want to have measurable impact. So we're going to follow that through and and be able to demonstrate that we've given them a solution that will at least get them through for the next three years. And I'm pretty proud of that um, as well. Uh, and so, yeah, we're trying to work through at the moment who those partners are going to be to help make that possible in the UK, in Australia and um, in uh, New Zealand and the US as well.
0: Well, thank you once again to Chrissy for her time and for her thoughts and for just making our calendars add up, given that she is 11 hours ahead of us. Um, so she can tell us what the future is going to be like, essentially. We're just about out of time, not only for the episode, but for the working year. I know you're signing off soon, Matt.
1: Yeah, um, the the day that this comes out is, is my last year, 2020, working. Um, I'm obviously back in, in the new year, but uh, no, i got some annual leave to, to use up because I'm sure most people who had annual leave this year couldn't go anywhere with it, so didn't use it. So I'm just going to do a bit of last-minute Christmas shopping because um, I'm not very organized and I haven't done it all yet. I'm, I'm better than what I have been. In previous years, the bulk of it is 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 done. There's just a few things, some perishable goods that I need to uh, pick up. But uh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna enjoy the time off. Um, got a a new house that's now renovated, so I can actually sit around and not do like oh need to uh I need to kind of put up those um that Chester drawers, or I need to I need to go put up the railings in the cupboard or anything like that. I can just I can sit down and watch terrible christmas films and, mm-hmm. and not feel guilty
0: the most important thing to have up though is is the tree have you got yours up yet
1: yeah the tree is uh the tree is up um it is a it is a, a fake one definitely not a single use tree in that sense um with uh yeah bubbles up as and uh we've got lights that are. i'm looking out my window now and they are actually falling off of the uh the roof so i need to go fix them soon as well because they're falling off but uh it's as festive as I can feel. It still doesn't feel like Christmas, I think, because we're essentially still in, depending on what tier you're in, some sort of lockdown. So it doesn't feel festive yet. But uh, I think um, I think come Christmas it, it will. What about what about yourself? Are you all set up for Christmas?
0: Yeah, it's it's just just about done. I just have a couple of presents, you know, for those people and they just have everything and then when you ask what what they want, they say, "Oh, well, I want this, but you know, I'm in work, I'm, I'm earning, I'll just buy it for myself." And it's like you're not making this any easier for for me. So it's just those last couple of gifts, which probably will just end up being being gin.
1: Yeah, gin is uh, always a solid present. The only danger is is that you um you keep it for yourself, which was what I found a few times. I had to go back to the store and get another one, but uh, that's always a solid shout. <laughs>
0: good good point although for me it would definitely be be a stout or a wine that would have more more of that danger (laughs) anyway that's enough about booze from from us as it is the end of the episode so a big thank you once again to all of our speakers not only on this episode but for this year Um, and a big thank you to you at home for listening Um, thank you for letting us keep you company as you've been working from home baking banana bread tie dyeing your t-shirts and planning your zoom meetings and yes as matt has alluded to just a quick note the ed offices are going to be closed from christmas eve through january 4th when we will be back with a bang to bring you more breaking news, in-depth analysis and of course podcast episodes. Um, We'll also be running up to our Sustainability Leaders Forum event in early February, um, which I know sounds like a long time away, but trust me, it will be creeping up on you. Um, That's going to be virtually from February 2nd through, through to February 4th. So do take the time to check out the agenda ahead of time. In the meantime, if you have a sustainable business story that you think we should know about, drop us an email. We are at newsdesk at fav-house.com. And please do subscribe to and follow the ED podcast portfolio. We're on SoundCloud, iTunes and Spotify. But until next time and next year, it's a goodbye from Matt.
1: Goodbye, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year to everyone. And yeah, as uh, as Sarah said, so you I'll jump in and say we're, we've got a few exciting ideas um, lined up I say we I've got a few exciting ideas of the podcast lined up which I haven't worked upon at all but we're hoping to launch them early new year you would have seen the green room came back for one episode this year that's going to become a regular theme and there's a few other ideas as uh as well so if you get an email from me it's basically I'm asking you to be our guinea pig for a few new ideas don't be alarmed it'll be fun though
0: yeah well, of course you have to steal the show like right at the very last minute <laughs> <laughs> Well, until next time, it's a goodbye and a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year from me too. Goodbye.